Well, we have reason to be very grateful to our Lord for uh, giving us a cheat sheet on the Bible. And uh, so you take all the 614 or 613 commandments of the Old Testament and you can reduce them to two. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good thing, though. In all honesty, it, it does sort of simplify things. And um, for those who, you know, can't tackle the entire Old Testament, you know, you've got these two commandments here. It sums everything up. And for those then who, uh, who want to and who would benefit greatly, Probably most people would benefit greatly from actually, you know, going through and more specifically looking at all the commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, we have a guide for us to keep our minds focused and not to get distracted at the, on the details. And so it's a, it's a golden thread that weaves itself all throughout the commandments and the ordinances of the scriptures is these, these two commandments to love God and to love our neighbor. Um, and uh, they're also a summary not only of the entire you know, set of commandments, but they're a summary as well uh, of the Ten Commandments, which is the, the most important um, you know, uh, summary of the moral law. And uh, they correspond the two tablets of the, of the Ten Commandments. On the one hand, you've got the commandments that have to do with God, and then you've got the commandments that have to do with our neighbor. And so here we go. But both of those two sides of the law, the two tablets of the law can be reduced to these two commandments, love of God, love of neighbor. So another very economic um, uh, summation, summary, condensation of of all of the Ten Commandments here into these two commandments. We have uh, loving God above everything else. It's a very, very important precept. I mean, it's a supreme precept. There's so much that could be said about this. But the two thoughts that I have is um, the scriptural vocation to love God with everything that we have is a means that avoids two extremes. On the one hand, you've got um, a worldview that was very prevalent in pagan eras and really has kind of made a comeback in a post-Christian era in some ways. In the pagan eras, uh, what you really had were your tribe or your city-state or your nation, your people group, that was kind of a supreme value. And the gods that you worshipped were multiple, and they were kind of like uh, guardian angels, if you will, over certain natural functions that were important to your particular people group, like childbirth or bringing in of the crops. You didn't really care so much about whether this tribe over there brought their crops in and had a good good harvest, but you cared about whether your people brought the crops in and had a good harvest. And um, so uh, war as well, the gods of war, so, so that your people would be powerful, they would be able to dominate others or at least defend themselves from aggressive other, other groups of people that were aggressive. So you had these different gods that you, you worshipped. You gave them sacrifice, you gave them divine honors, and the payment that you got back was successful childbirth, uh, a fruitful harvest, and success in battle, and that, those were your. That's what. But really, you see, the worship of these gods it reduced to these created realities: childbirth, food, survival of the natural life of our given people group. That's really what the kind of the, how the pagan worldview works. 
And in a certain sense today, we've regressed to that in a post-Christian culture. We've kind of gone back to that. We don't have gods that, you know, uh, we believe oversee Wall Street Journal, uh, or the, the, I'm sorry, the Wall Street, or, uh, you know, gods that might oversee um, our bank account or whatever. But these things are the most important things to us. It's just a multiplicity of created goods that we invest our energy and our love into, and, um, and it's another form of idolatry in a certain sense. But what God, through the scriptural injunction uh, of the first commandment, is doing for us is he's saying you need to take your love and lift it above these created goods and let it transcend them and uh, rise up to the level of the supreme creator from whence, from which all of these created goods come. And give your love and your energy and your time and your devotion and your money as well and everything else to him. And all of these other things will kind of fall into place. So I, that's, that's one thing that's happening with, the, with this biblical injunction. It's very unique, really, in the history of, of mankind and of religion. Um, and, uh, you know, another thing, too, as a side note, I think we're seeing another return. We're, we're seeing a very strong return to nationalism. And really, we're starting to see kind of a return to my people group and me, and I, I, we care about us. We don't care about all of them. That's another thing that's happening today, and I think it's the result of the people are really afraid of the threat of uh, Islamic terrorism. And so it's causing us to start to kind of collapse in on ourselves and our own national interests and our own na- interests of our people groups. You'll start to see kind of like um, race, racist groups start to become more prominent and stronger and they start, people start listening to them. Boy, but you're starting to make sense. You're right. We got to look out for us and for our own. Boy, you know, so we're seeing this kind of return to like a pagan mentality. And the beautiful thing about the, the scriptural commandments is they lift us up above racism and nationalism and uh, an overly uh, constrained interest in our own selves and our own well-being. And they call us forth to love everybody. Now, on the other hand, the other error, I think, that uh, the first commandment and, and what Jesus is doing here uh, helps us uh, avoid um, is someone might say, well, so you got to love God above all things. You know, because that was actually what the question was that put to him. What's the first, what's the greatest commandment, number one? Jesus, in a certain sense, he go he, he kind of like doesn't fully answer the question. He gives the greatest commandment, but he adds in love of neighbor as well. Lest you forget <laughs> that you have to love human beings as well as God. You know, so if he had just said first commandment, you might, he might have, you know, developed a mentality where, well, you know, I love God, but who cares about my neighbor, right? So, um, how does that work? Well, we, there's no competition between love and God and love of neighbor. We love God because he's our supreme good. And uh, in as much as we who are made, our neighbor who is made in the image of God participates in that supreme good, our love for God then extends outwards to our neighbor. And there's no competition. There's a sharing that takes place. And uh, we have to love our neighbor for God's sake and in God. Um, and so that's how you reconcile these two commandments. There's no, there's no uh, competition between the two. So, and, and this is real understanding. I love Christ's uh, final word to this guy. The, the scribe comments and basically affirms that what Christ is saying is true. And it says, when Jesus saw that he had answered with understanding, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So he answered with understanding. And uh, that leads me to the, the reflection of, you know, where does real... Um, 
There's a difference between IQ and true understanding. You can have someone with a very high IQ. They have a, a genetic gifts uh, that have been given to them by nature, whereby they can reason from one you know, logical principle to another, to another, to another, one concept to another, and they can see different concepts, implicits, and other concepts, and, and they have a high IQ. That's really, that's good. We can thank God for that gift. But there's something deeper going on here. There's, there's what's understanding. Understanding and wisdom are different from IQ. You can have someone with a very high IQ, but they're racist or they're, they're overly nationalist or they don't love their neighbor as themselves, or they invest their time and their energy in a lot of created goods instead of in God, there's the supreme good. Well, in a certain sense, they're not too smart. You know, there's going to be a lot of people in hell that have really high IQs. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven who maybe they don't have a high IQ, but they've got true wisdom and understanding because they followed Christ's teaching here to love God above all things and our neighbor as ourselves.